In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat. For this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Second Kings chapter 4 verses 43 to 44. I loved reading Old Testament stories to my children. They're full of adventure, excitement, wars, family squabbles, successes, and fulfilled promises made by God to his chosen people. On the surface, the stories clearly illustrate what happens when we obey or disobey God. Not always hellfire and brimstone, but very often pain and suffering from the consequences of our behavior. This story about God providing a hundred people enough to eat from a mere 20 loaves of bread has two meanings. As is usual with Old Testament stories, the immediate miracle occurs, the hungry folk are fed. But underneath the surface lies the bigger message, the truth that when we trust in God completely, we'll never be hungry. This is illustrated physically in the New Testament, also at the feeding of 5,000, for example, in John 6. And afterwards, when he says to his apostles privately, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Believe in Jesus, the bread of life, and you'll never be hungry. Have you ever been looked after by your Father in heaven in a physical way? Then noticed there were spiritual undertones too? I have. Throughout my homeschooling, somehow we never missed a house payment, always had food on the table. And at the same time, my faith deepened as I allowed him to work his will in my life. Surrender to the Lord and your needs will be provided. Well, good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to the Sociable Homeschooler. I'm sweltering and back in the Texas heat, and my name is Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is a colleague of mine from Toginet Radio, Dr. Kevin Connors, who's going to empower you to change your life and the way you look at things. I'm going to be talking about how we can afford to homeschool or not, a calamity that occurred just as we were moving home, farewell to our church and favorite eateries, and lugging bags across the pond. I'd like to say I am drinking iced tea but that doesn't do anything for me so I am content with fizzy well sparkling water sounds so much classier and a straw but no snack somehow I just don't feel hungry since returning to this brutal heat are you ready for an hour of chit chatting well Let's get started. I think our return hit all of us pretty hard on many different levels. My blue-eyed cowboy and I have been preparing for months for re-entry into a much more demanding culture than we've been used to, and our steward sons have been 
hoping it wouldn't happen. So we weren't in the right mindset at all. We weren't on the same page. But let's go back a bit to start with the sale of our flat in London fell through. We'd had a verbal offer on it since the end of January. And we even rented the garage to the prospective buyer for his cute little CV2 Citroen named Betty. During the year, he brought everyone and his dog to view the flat, even his builder with tape measure and calculator in tow, so that he'd have everything ready for immediate changes he wanted to make on his occupancy. Literally one week before we were due to leave, his offer fell through. Either he couldn't get the money or other personal obligations emerged. We don't know and probably never will. But it started a whole new wave of flap as we had to decide quickly, do we continue with the sale of all the furniture and leave the place empty or do we halt everything and leave it furnished? Do we still ship what we want back to America? Will any of us stay and oversee see the sale process? Well, as you can imagine, we were in quite a quandary. In the end, we did, did decide to sell the couch that needed to go out the window. For some reason, I felt uncomfortable having a piece of furniture in my house that couldn't make a hasty exit out the doors. We also decided to go ahead with shipping all the pieces we wanted to give a permanent home to in America. It was an all or nothing situation because of the cost, including some of my mother's dishes and cut glass. Why are dishes and cut glass always mums or grandmas? They could just as easily have been my dad's, but they weren't. They were my mum's. My brother gave us some of his furniture for the now empty lounge. He has loads stored in his garage since his downsize. And we cancelled the sale of the bedroom furniture. Since the sale process has a reputation of taking forever in England, we decided that we would all go home. And if it's sold within the next few weeks, then we would just let all the furniture either go to my brother or be picked up by the Hub Foundation. But if it didn't sell for a while, then perhaps one of us could return to oversee the completion. Yay, I still have my stronghold in my homeland. Not for long, but it's still there. Another snag was that I had cancelled all my direct debits and standing orders, except the electricity and gas, so I had to reactivate the council tax ugh, and some sort of insurance and appliance coverage in case the water boiler burst and ruined the carpet. And our church, they gave us a fine farewell. Our youngest came to Mass on the final Sunday, and we were asked to carry up the elements to the offertory procession. She was worried about it, but I assured her that we were with a great crowd of people walking up the aisles, so we would hardly be noticed. Well, unless, of course, you trip on one of the steps, I cautioned. That got her really worried. We were given a special blessing at the end of Mass from the high altar, and words like, greatly missed and beloved members of our congregation stick in my mind with expressions of hope that we'll return on the Tuesday evening when we went to swell the congregation to twice its size our Reverend Margaret asked me to read for the last time included us in the prayers of the people and again we got a final blessing wishing us health and happiness and safety and then again on Wednesday morning when I went the priest mentioned us in the prayers and in the final blessing so I really felt as though we had made as much of an impression on the parish of St. George's as they had made on us and my parents memorial stone can clearly be seen in my mind's eye in the shadow of the chancel stained glass windows tucked safely into their sacred spot in the cemetery. Just going to take a little sip of water because my throat's dry. Well, I've had lots of people asking me, how did I prepare to homeschool? And as I thought about it, I realised there were a lot of aspects to be taken into consideration. Not only the physical ones, the chairs, the tables, the quiet corners, but the mental ones, financial, social, 
So I'm going to be looking at ways in which I was prepared for a life-changing decision and all the important roles that God played and common sense played in the process, not to mention the hard-headed determination employed by my Texan and me as part of our conviction that what we were about to do was right, even if we didn't know what the heck it was. How many of you considered the cost when you chose to homeschool? I think if any of us had, we would have decided that it was way out of our league, something other people did. When it comes down to it, we are those other people. We're inching out on a limb, having decided our children are more precious than any gifts will be given in our lifetime. The decision is mostly mutual within the immediate family. Members of extended family usually think of it as a risk, the risk being their grandchildren's futures. And I've met some couples who knew when they put pencil to paper that the sums just wouldn't add up. And they had these pat answers for when their respective parents grilled them as to how they were going to afford it. But they were determined to keep their children home with them despite any of the obstacles put in their way. They were convinced it was the right thing for their family. And they acted accordingly and with a great deal of faith. I've been amazed on several occasions as to how the personal budget somehow warps and bends to provide essentials. And how many young couples who thought they were really good stewards of their treasure and their time continue to discover excesses, wants instead of needs lurking between the columns. The Lord will work on all of us. He will be like a refiner's fire or a laundress soap. He will purify and refine like gold and silver. That's Malachi 3 verses 2 and 3. God has shown me through the years that there's always enough money when I look at my finances through his eyes. This is good news for those who already have a budget and haven't lived way beyond their means. But however, I would caution couples who had acres of debt bearing down on them to pay off their bills first before fully embracing the single income homies. I discovered quite recently at one of those non-joyful family events, a funeral, that the grandmother I identified with most, my mother's mum, hadn't been the one to coin the oft-spoken phrase in our house, if you wait until you can afford to have children, then you never will, which morphed into a saying of my own, if you wait until you can afford to do anything, then you never will. My mother would share this piece of maternal wisdom with me whenever she decided to talk about being a grandmother one day, whether I was married or not. Not being a grandmother, whether I was married or not. She would talk to me before I got married. It was her way of saying, well, what are you waiting for? I'm not getting any younger. Go on, find somebody, get married. As with many hand-me-down words to the wise, I imagine she'd learned it from her mother, the independent, no-nonsense grandmother, who was fondly remembered as saying, each time one of the aunts steeled themselves to break the news to their mother-in-law that they were pregnant, how are you going to afford it? In a time when women were saddled with many more than the 2.5 national offspring average, she felt that with the post-war changes going on in England to ease the plight of the working man, women had more choices than she had had, and she wanted to see her daughters-in-law take full advantage of some of the decisions they could now make about their lives and their bodies. She was quite the feminist. Thus, with her independent and business-minded philosophy, she cautioned her daughter and her son's wives to wait until you have enough money before having children. 
Well, my mother and her sisters-in-law decided on the contrary, wanting the socially acceptable two and a half children, preferably a boy and a girl and a bit, which they all eventually had with one exception, the youngest and poorest of them all, who went on to have six. My auntie B was the bravest of the aunts and looked her mother-in-law squarely in the eye each time she felt a stirring and uttered these condemning words, Good Catholics have as many children as God blesses them with, causing my grandmother to bite her good Catholic Geordie tongue. All of them realised that they would have been beyond childbearing age had they paid attention to my grandmother's words and instead passed on to their daughters this version of the matriarch word, words in the vain attempts to see grandchildren before turning 60. If you wait until you can afford to have children, you never will. And I've got to go on a break. So don't... How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Lori Hurley, the social networking navigator, helps you overcome your overwhelm online and make social media easy. Every week, she shares the latest and greatest about social networking and welcomes industry experts and end users of different social media platforms to share their experiences moving their business forward online. Whether you are a Facebook fanatic or a lover of LinkedIn, Lori has you covered on all angles of social media, including Twitter, YouTube, blogging, Google+, and more. Lori shares her knowledge and love of educating others on all things social media with relevant material, engaging guests, and hot tips and techniques to help you soar down the social media highway. Join her every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Social Networking News Hour here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I have a colleague with me on the show today, host of Dr. Kevin Connors Live, 
right here on Toginet Radio on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Central. Dr. Connors is a doctor of chiropractic with fellowships in integrative cancer therapy and functional medicine. His favorite word is why. And on his show, he explores questions like, why do I still feel so lousy? Or why aren't my medications working? And why can't my doctor figure me out? He's the author of the book's Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Infertility, Anxiety, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more, and Stop Fighting Cancer and Start Treating the Cause. Dr. Connors, welcome to my show this morning. Well, hello. I could just sit and listen to your accent all day long. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because in England, I was waiting for a response to my accent because I've been here 20 some odd years and always get one. And nobody takes any notice because I suppose everybody speaks like me in England. So, yeah, probably. yeah they would look at my husband and say, where are you from? Yes. He's the Texan. So. All right. Well, Dr. Connors, thank you so much for joining me today. And as usual, with first-time guests, I like to do a little bit of a, a background so that my listeners know who it is that um, I'm talking to, and then we'll get into the meat of the discussion that we're going to have today. So um, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your family, your clinic? Sure. I am the, married to my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. For 31 years, we have five children, five grandkids. I went into chiropractic because my desire is really uh, clinical nutrition. Uh, practice a technique called kinesiology and nutrition, basically. Basically what's called functional medicine. Mm-hmm. And got involved in treating cancer patients about 10 years ago when I had a a chiropractic patient come to me and say that she had breast cancer and she did not want to do the chemotherapy. And so at that point in time, I helped her with the little knowledge that I had and she got better. She's still alive today and eventually ended up going back and improving my education, getting some fellowships in integrative cancer therapy and functional and regenerative medicine. Uh, So I've been in practice for 28 years-ish and uh, uh, spent some time, I guess, uh, out of practice. We, My family, we left and did some full-time missionary work in Mexico for a number of years. But... uh, been back in practice since 1998 and concentrate mainly on cancer and some autoimmune diseases. Okay. So um, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit to where you said that all of you um, went to Monterey, Mexico as missionaries and you took a little break from what you were doing. And you did. You had really young children. Your youngest was two when you did that. And um, you said that... Um, God sent you for three reasons, and I really liked those reasons, and I want to ask you, um, how did it change you and your family? When you came back after the two or three years, I don't know how long you spent there, when you came back, how were you changed as a family? Well, I could tell you a little story. I remember driving back in my 12-year-old Chevy Suburban with a small little U-Haul trailer carrying every worldly possession that we had. And my wife and youngest two children at the time had flown back. Uh, Her father had flown them back up to Minnesota. We're from Minnesota. So driving back from Monterey, Mexico with my two older children, and they were sleeping in the car, and I just remember just going, 
Lord, what have I done? I have nothing. At that point, I was 35 years old, and I just remember crying out to the Lord. What did I do? Did I make a mistake? You know, I don't have anything. I'm coming back. No money, because we went completely self-supported. So we sold everything we had to go. And uh, now coming back and uh, uh, wondering if I made a mistake, if this was an error. And I just remember, you know, I don't hear audible voices from God, but I just I just felt in my heart that he said, if you did this, if I had you do this just for one person, would you have done it? And that was enough to shut me up, I guess, yeah. because I know God would have hung on the cross just for me. So yeah. he could use me to whatever he wants me to do with even though I may not see the, the consequences or the, the the great things that happen because of that until I get to yeah. heaven. So Yeah, and some of, and some of the, the um, impact that you made on the families and the people that you worked with in Mexico and also the impact on the people that were left behind, those who saw your example or were, you know, couldn't go and so were eager to talk to you about your experiences. So there's, there's a whole spectrum of people that you touch and you don't, you know, unless somebody actually comes and says, wow, what you said really touched my heart and I went on and did this, this and this. You just don't know, do you? And you and, and lots of times, at least I believe, God doesn't want you to know. I, I mean, I'd probably get too prideful and get a big head. So he protects me. He loves me enough not to share my successes with me. <laughs> so, uh, and it is, I think sometimes as Christians, we forget it, the example of every decision that we make. I call them the little whys in the road that we have a choice mm-hmm. to go to the left or go to the right. Mm-hmm. And God's going to love us just the same. And maybe we'll still go to heaven, but it's, we so often take the easier route. Yeah. 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 Well, you say that you see every patient as a gift from God, and it, and that patient comes with the responsibility to figure out just exactly what needs to be done to get them better and keep them healthy. And this is such a wonderful testament as to who you are. And how does it help you treat your patients? Uh, well, I just see it as a every day is just a privilege for me. And for me to be able to take care of people and serve people is really a gift. It's a gift from God. It's not, if it comes from me and it's coming from my flesh, then we're, we're both in trouble. So I got to look at it as, okay, God sent this person to me for whatever reason. Maybe it's not always to get them better. Maybe it's to love them you know, through, through their dying experience maybe it's to just to bring them to the lord and to just to minister to them just to be christ to them i think that's what our calling is no matter what we are in life Um, and that's that's where it's got to start for everybody yeah and you said you said a woman came into your um office wanting your chiropractic skills and told you that she had breast cancer and you you hadn't that that's what started you on the road of this integrative um, cancer therapy that you do. Tell us something about that. Uh, You know, God pushes us down different roads, even though he gives us choices. He has a plan for us, and he's sovereign. And uh, I I did not go into becoming a doctor to treat cancer patients. That was the farthest from my mind. Probably four out of five new patients that walk in my door now have stage three, stage four cancer. Mm. And most of them have exhausted all medical, um, you know, possibilities, uh, and they don't have any other hope. Uh, 
that's the kind of patient that I thrive on, really. That's it's, but it's um, what we do for cancer patients is we try to look at what are some possible causes, and instead of trying to, you know, what, my book on cancer is called "Stop Fighting Cancer, Start Treating the Cause," and I labeled it that partly because. I don't want people to have the mentality that they're fighting cancer. I think that's the wrong attitude to take just from a from an emotional and spiritual attitude. I think uh, I know that patients that come to me with cancer um, don't have a lot of hope. And I think the first step to gaining hope is to learn to embrace their disease. I know that sounds a little odd, but if you start looking at it a little bit different and say, okay, God is sovereign. He did allow this to take place in my life, even though maybe this isn't his perfect will. How can we, how can I, with my relationship with the Lord, turn this into beauty for ashes and he get the glory even in this dreadful disease? Mm. There's a purpose mm. in it. Mm. Mm. And and yeah, the the fighting that that is such a it just seems to be really defensive and, and a very negative view. But a lot of people say you know they, that they are fighting cancer or they're, they're doing um, that. That's the that's that's the way they're dealing with it. And I, I think the embracing of it is very much more gentle because I mean your body is your body. It's a it's a, a vessel and to be used by God and. You've got cancer. Obviously, those people that come into your office have been through just about everything they can, and they still have the cancer. So they need to find another way to deal and and live with it and help right. themselves. Yeah, and not that they that they want to you know continue to have cancer and that they desire to die yeah. from the cancer. But mm-hmm. the fact is, we're all going to die. Or, mm-hmm. you know, God has not promised that we're going to live forever. He did not promise that he's going to heal us from everything. He allows us to have uh, whatever struggles that we have in our life for his greater glory. Paul sat in a prison, and if he wasn't thrown into prison, knowing his personality the little that we can know, he probably never would have written the epistles to <laughs> reach millions and millions of people. Mm-hmm. So God allows things in our life for reasons that many times we won't know until the other side of this world. And if I could get people to grasp that idea that Hey, maybe maybe I have cancer to witness to a chemo nurse. Maybe I have cancer for uh, a member of my family to to see my witness really in troubled times. I've been sharing the gospel with these people, my neighbors, my family, my friends for years, mm-hmm. and now I have this horrible disease. Now they're going to see it really lived out in my life. Mm-hmm. We have to so, ask those questions at least. And do you do you help patients to ask those questions? I mean, uh, I. Yeah, we do a lot of counseling in our office and yeah. ministry in our office as well. So we really see our office as a ministry yeah. versus a clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, because it's it's such at a when you're dealing with a grave disease when people have you know a timeline many times that they've been given by an oncologist, mm-hmm. they're willing even though they may not be believers, they're willing to start looking at and asking deeper questions, yeah. and uh, that can be a real blessing in a person's life. Yeah, finding other ways. I had a, I had a cousin who um, eventually died of cancer, but she lived every moment to the glory of God. But close to the end, she said, "I want to die to the glory of God too. I'm going to stop fighting it, and I'm going to, you know, use my death." 
and we'll be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com, Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, cognitive skills training or brain training targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903 617 6899. 903 617 6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that Learning RX can help you with. It's not a product, it's an experience. So join us for Learning RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Are you ready to get your woohoo on? From business and branding to babies, best selling books, and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio Love, Life, Business, and the Pursuit of Happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick butt action, best selling author and chief woohoo woman, Lisa Stedman, wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, lisastedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Dr. Connors, um, as patients or parents of children who go to doctors, um, we should ask our doctors why, not just say, well, you know, you're the doctor and I'm going to do exactly what you say. Um, it's, it's wise to ask why. And I know that one family in particular that you're working with did just that. Can you tell us what happened? Uh, there's a uh... A lot of press going on with one case that we have now, and I have full disclosure to release her name because the parents want her story told. It's a little girl named Sarah. She's eight years old, and she was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer that's common with children called medulloblastoma, and it's uh, it's a very serious cancer. It uh, can be very deadly, and she came to my office back in January after having surgery to remove the cancer. And uh, we started her on some of the 
therapies that we do. Now, I'm not an oncologist. I can't legally treat cancer. We're taking care of the patient. I, I don't know why you'd want to treat the cancer in the first place. You want to improve the the environment that the cancer has you know, allow, been allowed to grow by mm-hmm. the body so that the, it won't continue to grow. So we started doing some nutritional protocols and different therapies that we do. And uh, she started to improve greatly because she had a lot of symptoms after having the brain surgery, understandably. And then she, they, her parents got a call from the oncologist demanding that they do, uh, that they continue with the prescribed therapy, which was chemotherapy and full spine, full skull radiation. Mm. So they did not want to do that. And uh, but I can't advise either way from a medical legal standpoint. Mm-hmm. I just am trying to support my patient. So uh, they sought legal help uh, in, in doing so because the oncologist basically turned them over to the state's child protective services. Mm-hmm. So they were threatened to to either continue with the oncologist therapy or have their child taken away from them and possibly even their other child taken away from them because they would be basically declared unfit parents. Mm. So, and, and at this point, it was a little ironic because they were just questioning the care. They weren't saying, no, we are not going to do this, or mm-hmm. they weren't taking any strong, dogmatic, religious, you know, kind of uh, super right-wing standpoint in this or anything. They were just asking, why do we need to continue this? And even asking that question uh, brought Child Protective Services to mm-hmm. their door. And that, that was their biggest argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had questioned the uh, oncologist and had some lengthy conversations with her about, uh, I think you should at least do some you know, some further testing to see if there is any cancer cells still in her body that you can detect. So that prompted that they did an MRI and a CT scan on little, or an MRI and a cerebral spinal fluid tap on Sarah, which revealed that there were no other cancer cells. And uh, which the oncologist told me, quote, I'm afraid to tell her because now they won't want to do the chemo and radiation. And I said, well, isn't the chemo and radiation, isn't, doesn't it only kill growing, replicating, rapidly replicating cells that, according to your own tests, aren't there? And it all came back every time to, well, I don't care. This is our protocol. I don't care. This is our protocol. And uh, so that was the struggle that they had is, you know, forget your protocol. What's in the best interest of the child? Mm-hmm. Um, look at this person as an individual instead of as fitting into your system that um, that everybody has to fit into the same little box. Well, that just doesn't exist in that realm. So they were forced. Then they felt like they had no choice. They ended up doing the chemo and the radiation. And she got very sick, was having seizures, uh, very, very ill after that. And uh, finished that at the end of April. And then had another meeting with the oncologist in May and was told that the, she needed to continue with seven more chemo uh, regimen and uh, which might last 12 to 18 months and that was 
that's kind of the discussion right now. And when the parent questioned that, said that she wasn't comfortable with that, the oncologist basically said, I know, that's why I already wrote, I figured you would say that because I already wrote a letter to Child Protective Services again. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a basically a civil liberties issue now. So do the parents, do parents even have the right to question medical authority? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been the argument. Um, just... Yeah, there's a there's a group um, that ho- well HSLDA um, Michael Farris has this um, this he he has this um, website called Parental Rights. Org. And he deals with all kinds of things like this, just how, you know, we're losing our parental rights. And it's got to do with, you know, a treaty that America's signing, all kinds of things that are going on. And I think to myself, goodness me, you know, the state is just stepping in. Other people outside your family are stepping in and telling you what's best for your family. And what's best for your child and what's best for you. And you, you become frightened, you know, to but ask. It doesn't even leave us open. It didn't leave us any area open even for discussion. No. When I spoke to the oncologist, you know, her comment was, well, do you, if you could show me any studies where alternative medicine could cure medulloblastoma in a child, I'd gladly be open to it. Well, the problem is, is that they've made it illegal for anybody other than a normal oncological procedure, which is no alternative medicine and everything according to protocol to treat medulloblastoma. Mm-hmm. So even if somebody gave me $10 million to do a study on children using alternative medicine on, on brain cancer, I wouldn't get any people to join my study because it'd be illegal. Yeah. So they've passed a law that you have to do quote unquote standard medical procedure or you'll, you'll go to jail and then they say, well, there's no proof that sta- that's anything other than standard medical procedure works. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. when I requested, okay, well, then you show me your data, that your, st- you know, your studies, let's, let's see it, I'm open. You show me your studies that, uh, that your treatment works. The study, the one study that I received to prove her treatment was basically a study between two chemotherapy regimens. Uh, with medulloblastoma, so here it's 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 almost as if you, if we said we want to um, we want to drink some juice, and we said okay, so they're going to do a study on whether mandarin juice produces mandarin oranges produce more juice than um, than another variety of oranges, mm-hmm. and let's say the study showed that mandarin oranges produce more more juice than Valencia oranges, and so that's their proof that everybody has to drink orange juice. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, wait a second, we don't want to drink orange juice, we want to drink apple juice. Yeah. Oh no, we did a study. Here's our study that proves that orange juice is better. Mm-hmm. No, that's a study that says mandarin oranges make more juice than Valencia oranges. That's not yeah. a study that says orange juice is better than apple juice. So, so why why is there this situation where there are no alternatives and where we can't make those kinds of choices? I, I presume, as an adult, we could decide whether or not we wanted the chemo or the radiation. At this point, as an adult, yes, you can decide. Yeah. Unfortunately, even part of that decision was taken away from us years and years ago because it doesn't insurance won't pay for that decision that you make. So if you choose an alternative approach as an adult, you won't go to jail, but you won't get any coverage. No. 
So part of that decision has already been taken away as an adult. As a child, it's been taken away basically under the uh, laws that were really set in place to protect children from abuse. So they've stretched that law that, you know, some parent that is beating their child to a parent that isn't doing what uh, a a doctor thinks is right in the Mm -hmm. medical community has stated uh, as what is considered standard medical procedure, then they are now abusing their children as well. Mm. That's a little stretch in that law. Mm. And you just wonder how far, how much farther it could be stretched. Yeah, but uh, so so what? I mean, obviously, this young girl is um, has is cancer free, and yet they're still doing this cancer treatment. So why 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 are they doing that? I know you said it was protocol, but surely somebody that's there must say, well, what are we doing? Why are we zapping cancer cells that aren't there? Well, part of the struggle is that if I was an oncologist, I have to put myself in their position always. Why why would I do this? You don't have any other tools in your tool bag. We're going to treat cancer. How do we do that? We use chemotherapy. We do radiation. And we do surgery. Well, they don't don't do anything else. So uh, that that is a piece of it. They don't have any other tools. Mm -hmm. The second piece of it is that they... That's how they make their money. I hate to mm-hmm. say it, but you kind of got to follow the dollars mm-hmm. and at least look at the possible financial biases in this. Um, oncologists make 80% of their money recommending chemo. Mm-hmm. That's that's just out of their own data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is a financial bias in this as well. And then the powers that be, who is it that originally set up the original protocols? It isn't the individual oncologist. Matter of fact, in this case, because we were trying to uh, do everything we could to protect the rights of the parents, which put me to uh, be studying a lot and contacting multiple different oncologists that try to use integrative care. Uh, And I had dozens agree with me fully that this might not be in the best interest of this child. And yet when I asked them to testify on behalf of my patient, every one of them said, oh, I can't, I could lose my license. Mm-mm. So mm-hmm. it's like, what? You, could leave, you, don't, you can't even have a difference of opinion? It reminds me, unfortunately, I hate to bring up the analogy, but it reminds me of 1938 Germany. If you have a difference of opinion with the powers that be, you're going to get your livelihood taken away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm talking to uh, Dr. Kevin Connors, and we've been talking about a young girl, Sarah, um, who is eight years old and she has brain cancer. And actually, um, you can go, you can Google her. And Dr. Connors also has something about her on his website, which we'll talk about in the next segment. So don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Lori Hurley, the social networking navigator, helps you overcome your overwhelm online and make social media easy. Every week, she shares the latest and greatest about social networking and welcomes industry experts and end users of different social media platforms to share their experiences moving their business forward online. Whether you are a Facebook fanatic or a lover of LinkedIn, Lori has you covered on all angles of social media, including Twitter, YouTube, blogging, Google+, and more. Lori shares her knowledge and love of educating others on all things social media with relevant material, engaging guests, and hot tips and techniques to help you soar down the social media highway. Join her every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Social Networking News Hour here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Live Friday Night Camp Radio, 10 p.m. to midnight with Christy and Laura on Toginet.com. Broadcasting from their scrappy kitchen in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. They've got nothing better to do than riff with their favorite Brooklyn-based independent vendors, artists, bands, bartenders, foodies, weirdos, and news stories. Featuring the live studio audience. Betty Rehab and the Gay Boys. Sex and dating commentary with the impersonal. The unknown political biased man. And people who kind of know stuff. Stream on after your long week. Brooklyn's variety show of madcap intellectualism. Friday Nightcap Radio with Laura and Christy, 10 to midnight Eastern on Toginet.com. Radio like you've never seen. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Dr. Connors, we've got about five minutes left together, so um, I would like you to tell us a little bit about um, your book, The Cancer Book especially, since we've been talking about cancer, where we can find your books online, where we can find you, and maybe where we can find Sarah's story. Well, I realize I'm only one person and I can't help everybody. So uh, <laughs> when I write a book, um, I typically have it uh, for free as a free download. Uh-huh. I have uh, my book on autoimmune diseases a free download. The cancer book is a free download. I have another little cancer primer book as a free download. And I'll have two cancer books coming out this fall as they'll all be free downloads as well. Okay. I also teach doctors nationwide at different seminars. And I usually try to to streamline them down to a shorter video. And I have couple of those online several of those online on our website as well mm-hmm. fastest and easiest way to get our books and watch our videos is just to go to our main clinic website which is upperroomwellness.com that's the name of our clinic upper room wellness after mm-hmm. the chapter in acts talking about waiting in the upper room for a transformation and that's really what our purpose of our clinic is to see mm-hmm. people transformed so in all sorts of different ways. So if you go to upperroomwellness.com, you can click on any of the little book icons and you'll be taken to the book website. And 
Uh, if you subscribe for my, the free copy of my book, you also get uh, my newsletter, which I have at least two, two newsletters coming out every week that I personally write, all mm-hmm. of them myself. Just gives you some insight. My beginning of the week newsletter is typically on cancer. The end of the week newsletter right now, I'm doing a series for the last four months on cardiovascular disease. If you don't like it, don't want it, you can always unsubscribe, but you automatically get subscribed when you download one of the books. And before you leave, I I would like you to just give us um, a little tip on how to ask our doctor why when he tells us something that we just have a question about. Well, it's. I think you should just question your doctors. Mm-hmm. If they say this is the medication I want you to go on because you have high blood pressure, or this is the chemo that we have to do because you have breast cancer, you you always should know that you have you have time to go home and research your research it yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you don't take that medication right now, you're not going to die. So mm-hmm. you you have time to look it up. If if you simply just ask the doctor the question. Why do I need to take this? And his answer is is short, and he just says this is because he doesn't want you to question his authority. Mm-hmm. It, I think it might be time to find another doctor. At least mm-hmm. you need to do your own investigation. Uh, not to say that all medication is bad. Sometimes medication is necessary to to save your life, but you want to make sure that you're you're taking the right medication you're making the right choice for you and your children and uh and think it out and be wise the bible says you should there's wisdom in multiple uh counselors so ask other people and uh, seek out other information as well well thank you very much dr connors for joining me today um I've been talking to Dr. Kevin Connors, author of the books, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Infertility, Anxiety, Depression, ADD, and more, and Stop Fighting Cancer and Start Treating the Cause. And you can find all of those books on his um, website, upperroomwellness.com, and um, he has got them on there as free downloads. And among other things we talked about, um, we talked mainly about Sarah, the little eight-year-old with brain cancer, and you can go and find her story and um, how CPS got involved. And um, ask your doctor why when he prescribes something or prescribes some treatment, and especially if he doesn't seem to be very communicative, you might have to start looking for another doctor. And hopefully you will find a Dr. Connors out there who absolutely loves his patients and sees them as a gift from God. How I wish all our doctors were like you, Dr. Connors. Well, um, <laughs> so um, you have a great weekend, and I wish you God's blessing on the vital work that you do with your patients. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's just been <laughs> wonderful, and I hope that somebody was helped. I'm sure they will. And Dr. Connors actually is live on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. Central, so you can go listen to him every single week and get motivated. Thank you very much, Dr. Connors. Bye. Bye Bye-bye now. Well, I'm going to go back a little bit to England because we've only been home for a couple of weeks. And I'm going to talk about a meal that we had at a carvery. England is famous for their carveries, which is the epitome 
of a traditional Sunday roast. Mountains of meat and two veg are an institution in a country riven with institutions. Malia has been to a carvery in a pub in Bath, and despite the fact that they're everywhere in Britain, especially on the Sabbath, um, my husband and I just never have been to one. So my brother said, well, why don't we go as a final meal with the boys on their last weekend with me? And he knew of a wonderful little place. So off we went in the pouring rain to this lovely little place. And we were issued cunning little chips, not dissimilar to the ones bought in casinos. And um, there was only one carver who catered to the varied needs of a restaurant full of would-be diners. So we were in the queue for quite a while and we inevitably suffered the pangs of restless siblings. It was a nine-year-old and 13-year-old, the sons are, jockeying both the position in the family line, first or fifth, big deal, and attention from their father. And the fact that other people in the line were queuing didn't deter their antics, so you can imagine. We were relieved when we got to the carving table. But he, the carver man had a really sharp knife and he um, had an excellent eye because the servings we got were so thin as to be almost transparent. I could see the plate patterns through my meat. And we were served a Yorkshire pudding. One is never enough and it's a popover in America. And we were ushered off to the veggie buffet, which was unlimited. This was impressive. We had roasted mashed potatoes, carrots, peas, sprouts, cabbage, ratatouille, leeks. And when we reached our table, the rugrats had briefly stopped at the all-you-can-eat veggie buffet for mash and peas, mounds of them. And the crowning glory of the meal was a dessert, wasn't included in the carvery price, but we had to have it. So I had a Bakewell suet pudding with custard. I mean, how I fit that last little bit in, I have no idea, but I couldn't resist. And it was absolutely Englishly delicious. And the boys had chocolate fudge cake and treacle pudding. And I was also able to enjoy bites of those because, of course, their eyes were bigger than their bellies by this time because of all those peas. And still on the subject of food, we had our very last meal at our very favorite restaurant on the high street, Pierluigi's, an Italian place. And my youngest took some of hers home for a final breakfast the next morning. She does that. She loves to have Chinese and pizza first thing in the mornings. And it was a Tuesday night that we went and it wasn't terribly busy. So the waiters were most attentive. But to tell you the truth, if you want good service anywhere, tote a gorgeous 20-year-old with you. It works every time. And this gorgeous 20-year-old and I had a couple of tearful evenings at the end in our flat sitting around the dining room table remembering our year and enjoying the peace and quiet. Too quiet, she thought, but not in a bad way because the tears still flowed. And the neighbours started visiting. Three or four came in a delegation to say goodbye. Then my hairdresser friend rang the bell in her little special way and almost broke down. She's not plugged in, so I'll have to keep up with her through snail mail, which, as Malia discovered, doesn't take that long at all. She posted something to an English friend of hers this past Monday, and she got it on Thursday. So that cast further doubts on her boyfriend's claims that the mail was really slow when his promised letters didn't arrive. <laughs> and earlier on, I mentioned that the couch that couldn't fit through the doors had to be moved and we got it out of the window fine. Handsome Texan had booked the movers sight unseen. And when they arrived, they were tall and burly. And I said, oh, thank goodness you're big. You should see my brother was the owner's response. And I did. He came to be the third man with the hefty of the couch through the window, and that went really well. Breathe a sigh of relief. 
And as far as luggage goes, I don't think I've carted so many bags across the Atlantic before. For someone who wanted to shed all her excess baggage, this went against the grain. And to make matters worse, I had to ship about twice as much with the furniture. Perhaps I will have learned my lesson. But anyway, we had two large duffel bags each weighing about 50 pounds apiece. And we were Ruby Club members, so they didn't really care about the weight. And then we had two carry-ons. So I had a rolling suitcase with all my heavy stuff in it and a big bag. And um, then we had to stop in New York and get everything off the carousel and go to another hotel and then go through the whole process the next day. I will never travel that heavy again. I tell you, back to America now, and my youngest and I can vote for the very first time. Remember, I became an American citizen just before leaving a year ago? But the choice doesn't seem to be very good, and we're doing our research with my Texan acting as the fount of information. Yesterday, he reported that President Obama's researchers have found him to be related on his uh, mum's side to the first documented American slave. John Punch. And I read that the researchers admitted that there had been a lot of piecing together of information, assumptions and conjectures to reach this, um, this piece of information. And my filmmaker son quipped, yes, and Mitt Romney is related to the first slave owner. Hey, we own our jokes in this house. And with that... It's time to stop my chatter for the week and my throat. Actually, my voice is probably going to stop. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves and I've got a busy weekend coming up. We're off to the beach to visit my teacher daughter right now. A long drive ahead of us, complete with built-in picnic opportunity. Yay, we're going to Corpus and we'll spoil her and fill her cupboards and fridge freezer and catch some rays, I'm sure. I'll be here, same time, same place next week on Toginet Radio. And without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Dr. Kevin Connors. Listen to his show right here on Wednesday mornings at 10 Central. And my faithful listeners, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Do, 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 do. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Togi.